God, and just breaking through and ministering to people, God, in this church and in this room, God. I believe this is a, a desperate hour, and it, it requires uh, us coming to a place of desperation, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for, God, the shaking that's occurring now, God, and the things that you're doing, God, in us and in our world, God. You're, you're, you're causing us to turn loose of some things, God, and you're causing us to, uh, to come back to places where we, we, we should have been and where we need to be. And God, I'm grateful for the hour in which we live in. I'm grateful, like we preached on last week, for the fire. I'm grateful, God, that, you, uh, that you're a great silversmith. You're a great goldsmith. You're a great uh, uh, God, God that puts us into the fire. You walk us through the fire. And Lord, you, you, you don't let it get too hot and you don't let it get too cold. God, you'd make it just right to get the impurities out of our lives, God. And Lord, man, I need that done in my life. And I know this congregation needs it done in their life. And God, we want to be vessels and instruments that are, that are, that are, that are, are quickly made ready, God, to go out of these walls and to get out of self and, and to begin to, uh, to give ourselves, God, for the, this dying world, God, that's going to perish if the church doesn't awaken to its, uh, the reality that we are your ambassadors. We're, we're to go out of these walls and implore men to come to God, to come to the living God before it's too late. And so God, awaken, awaken. Not only bringing a spiritual awakening out there, but God, there's something first. You want to bring an awakening to us in this church today and to the church as a whole. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the reality of who lives inside of us today. And so, Lord, we just give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. 2 Kings 4.1, spiritual awakening. Let's read this story and see what we can come out from this. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons and to be his slave. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? And that. I think that's like a lot of pastors today. The old prophet's like a lot of pastors because the needs that are coming to us sometimes are so rapidly and so fast that it's almost overwhelming. Like, what do you want me to do with that, God? Or what do you want me to do with that? That's, that's unbelievable. You know, I mean, she's bankrupt. She has nothing. She's going, what do you want me to do with this, God? And so what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And that's the beautiful part. The spirit of wisdom or knowledge comes upon him. And he all of a sudden says, wait a minute. All right, wait. This is an overwhelming problem, but, but let me ask you something. What do you have in the house? And this is what she says. She says, and she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house. And that's the way I believe a lot of us feel today in the church in the Western world today. And, and you're thinking, what, I, I, what do I have in the house? And she said, nothing in the house but a jar of of oil. Now go to the next scripture. And then, she, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all of those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels out to her and she poured it out, the Bible says. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And she said, he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she, then he, she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt and you and your sons can live on the rest. So there's an awesome story here, and it's believed by Jewish historians that maybe this is the widow of Obadiah. A lot of people think that it might have been the prophet Obadiah's widow, uh, and, and she's uh, left here with two boys, and she's got this great debt. And Amy, th this time period, let me tell you something. Uh, it, welfare was not a creation until recently. Th there was no welfare system going on for this lady. When you lost your husband and you lost your source of income and you owed something, uh, the next thing that happened was you went into, sir uh, you went into slavery or, or, or servitude. And, uh, you, you just, it was just absolutely a place where I know this lady is left absolutely in disappointment. 
Sarah. She's thinking, my husband served the Lord all these years, and this is how you reward me. This is how you pay me. He, 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 uh, you leave me with two boys that, that are here, and now my, my, the creditors are coming, and they're going to take away my house. They're going to take away my children, because that's what they did. They didn't just say, hey, that baby in your womb that's coming out, they didn't just say, oh, I'm sorry, you can't take and pay your debt. No, we're taking your child. We're taking your house. We're taking everything. And that's where this woman is at, at a place where she's reduced to begging. She's having to just literally beg for whatever she can find or whatever she can hope for. So you can imagine the destitution that she's feeling, how destitute, how alone, uh, uh, feeling homeless, feeling uh, that her children are going to be taken away. And so at her wit's end, she comes to a place where she comes to the prophet Elisha and she begins to say, uh, please help. Help me, prophet. What can you do for me? Can you do anything? And he said, what am I supposed to do for you? But then I, I don't have any resources. I don't have the resources to give. This man lived by faith. He, he went to a house and they took they put a little room for the prophet when he traveled into town. They, they gave him a little bit of food, uh, Daniel. They gave him a place to stay. When he went to the next town, they did the same thing. He didn't have wads of money in his pocket. He didn't, he didn't have a lot of resources to say, hey, no problem. I'll get my accountant to write a check for you. You're not going to lose your children. You're not going to lose the house. Everything's going to be okay. He's thinking, what am I supposed to do for you? I don't have the resources to take care of what needs to go on in your life. And he's basically saying, the prophet knows where the source lies. Hey, I'm not your source. I'll pray for you. I'll try to help you. But God is your source. God is the one who you're to run to. God is the one that's going to take care of you. And it seems like the Lord, though, touches this prophet in just a moment, uh, that something drops into his spirit. You ever been there? I know I, I get there a lot of times when I'm talking to people or we're on the phone conversing a lot of different people and all of a sudden you don't know what's going on. You're talking about problems and then something just drops in your spirit that you know from God and you're like, say it. And you're like, where did that come from? I mean, like that was pretty good. Where did that come from? You know, that's the answer or that's what we need. And so this, this was dropped into this woman, this word of knowledge or wisdom there was dropped into into his spirit, and he said, I tell you what, what's in your house? What, what, what do you have in the house? And she goes and says, nothing but, but uh, this jar of oil, this little bit of jar of oil. And, and, and he knew, so Elijah's, Elisha is excited now because he's thinking, hey, this is good. This isn't the end of her story. I thought a while ago, it's bad, and what are we going to do about this situation? But now I can see there's an end to this story. We know what the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit represents, right? Oil, oil. There's a little bit of oil. There's this, there's this awakening that's beginning to happen that is going on here because oil is a caricature of the Holy Spirit. You remember in the Bible, Psalms 133, blessed are us when we dwell together in unity. It's like the oil dripping down Aaron's head, down his beard, down his garment. That's a type of the church and the Holy Spirit. He is the high priest. It's a type of this church and the Holy Spirit coming down upon the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit being poured out upon us. And that's what God wants for us. Oh, Elisha hears this and he comes alive. Something comes alive inside of him and he's excited. What's in your house? That's what I want to ask you today. What's in your house? Are you discouraged? Are things not going so well? And you feel defeated? You feel disappointed? How is this going to happen? I want to ask you, what's in your house? And I'm not talking about about 113 Howard Street. I'm talking about what is in this house. What is in your spiritual house? Because that's what he's asking about. And the Bible tells us very clear, clearly that you have this treasure in earthen vessels. You have a treasure inside of you. You have, you have something inside of you. And so this forces this woman to, uh, the, uh, I mean, this woman comes to a kind of an awakening. And let me tell you something. The forces that are in this world now that have amassed you will never defeat them in your natural thinking reasoning abilities 
The church can't sing loud enough. You can't read enough. You, can't, you, you cannot defeat what is coming on this earth right now. And let me tell you, it is going, sadly, it is going to get more difficult. The birth pains are going to increase. The, it's going to intensify. The, 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 the great resets that have been set. And all the things that are here now that have been put into motion that are, that are, that are greater even than the, 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 than the politicians that, of this day that have plans. I mean, there are powers and principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that have set things in motion now, but I got good news for you. There's somebody greater than them that's pulling the strings and that is in control and his name is Jesus. Amen. And even secular pundits now recognize that the natural realm is falling apart. They, they know it. They're getting on there that the very fabrics of, of society is beginning to fray. And the Bible says this. Look at it. It says, when, when these foundations are destroyed from society, what can the righteous do? But then you know what he goes on to say? He says, the Lord is in His temple. The Lord is in His temple. That's what we can do. We can have an awakening that the Lord is in here. There's something inside. There's a little bit of oil that's going on inside of us. What are we going to do when it's falling apart? We're going to have an awakening. We're going to have a spiritual reality that something lives inside of me. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. Amen? That's the spiritual awakening we need. We need to wake up, church, to the reality that there is something far greater inside inside of us. There is a treasure inside of us that has every clue, every answer that we ever need. The power that we need. Systems will rise and fall. Kingdoms will rise and fall. Economies you're going to see rise and fall. But folks, I got news for you. There's a little bit of oil inside of Brad Lindsay. There's a little bit of oil inside Daniel Howard. There's a little bit of oil inside Joe Wiggins today. And we need to awaken and realize that, hey, we got something in the house. Amen. And so this woman needs an awakening. Uh, she, it, it, this story is here, and God's beginning to show her this in this story. He's beginning to show this woman, you are better than what you realize. You're a little bit richer than what you think. I've been to places where I've been in places, and I feel so guilty because I go into those homes. I've been in homes where you can see outside of them and the people don't even have adequate shoes or clothing on their body but they're rich they're rich they're rich they're so rich they're so rich in faith and I've been in great places where there are very 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 wealthy people far wealthier than we are and they are so poor they are so poor. And God wants to awaken you today to the fact that you as a believer are not poor. There is something that lives inside of you. There is there, The oil of the Holy Spirit is inside of our lives. And Paul writes this years later. He writes this to young Timothy and he begins, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you. Stir it up. We need to fan the flames. We need to come to an awakening and a realization, Timothy. It's time to get back to the basics. It's it's time to remember who you are in Christ. It's time to come back to the prayer closet. It's time to come back to, to just the simplicity of, of the things of God and begin to come back and say, and to ask and to seek and to knock. Up until this time, you've asked for nothing. But Brenda, ask me now and I'll give it to you. Amen? And so, it's an, the Christian life, it, it's, it's difficult. Right? But it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And sad, many of us have moved away from moving in the Spirit. We, we, we've moved away. We started out. We started out our Christian walk moving in the Spirit. We started out walking in the Spirit. We started out falling, following the Spirit, doing things that we didn't even want to do. The Spirit urged us, go over and pray for that person. Go over and lay hands on them. Go, no, God, I'm not doing that. That's for the preacher. That's for somebody. But we obeyed. We did that early on. We saw miracles. We saw God do something. And somewhere along the line, we got too sophisticated. We got too intelligent. We started just trying to figure it out. We started worrying about pride an image or I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that but somewhere we got to come back to moving again in the spirit of God amen, amen. see so you can only go so far with doctrine 
all doctrine with no experience is just legalism. There's some people with so much head knowledge, they're so stoic, they won't even allow God inside. And then there's so much experience without doctrine sometimes that you can get in problems there, my friend. But folks, we got to come back to the place where these two things are married together and the Holy Spirit is allowed to move in power again. Amen? Because He wants to not only live in you, but He wants to break out of you. And for this world to see his life inside of somebody. To, 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 for his life to, to, to just be seen in our lives and break out of this earthen vessel. This widow that got the oil and she began to pour it out into other people's lives. That's what, that, that's what those bring me some jars. She began to pour out this, the Spirit. She began to pour it out into other people's lives. That's why we're given the Holy Spirit, folks. A Christian that's not pouring out is going to run dry very quick. You know why we're dry and still in this room? We don't pour out the spirit and the life and the power that's in us we come to church watch a man preach and we sit here and read our bible more pray more study more come back and brag about what we've learned and uh, uh, brag about the power uh, or about all the learning but never come to the knowledge of the power that's inside of us we never go out to our neighbor we never go out to the school we never go out to the university count, uh, campus and pour the oil of God out I got news for you if you pour the oil it's going to keep coming But we've run dry in Western Christianity. We become insular. We become a church's feed me. If I don't like the music, if it's not just right, if it ain't Southern gospel, if it ain't uh, you know uh, c- uh, contemporary, then I'm out of here. If it's not this or it's not that, if, if you preach too long or you preach too short or he hacks a little or he yells too loud or he teaches too much, if, if it's not just to suit us just right, then we're out of there, right? We don't want to have anything to do with it. And that's what we become. Feed me. We come to church. The songs must be right. The mood must be right. The lighting must be right. The coffee must be Starbucks and just right. Not too hot, not too cold. I'm like Goldilocks. I need it just right for me. Amen? And we've been doing that for the last 30 years. And that's how we got into the prosperity movement. That's how we got into the kingdom now movement. That's how we got into the faith movement. There became so much error. And, and we were fattening ourselves. Make our lives better. Your best life now. What about making the world better? What about denying yourself? Taking up your cross and following your Savior into His death, burial, and resurrection life? What about laying down your life for a friend? Greater love that no man than this, but that he would lay down his life for a friend. What about living for the glory of God and for the souls of men rather than living for you? Well, I've just been pouring out too much lately. I need a break. That's how you dry up real quick. Keep pouring. As long as she kept pouring. As long as she kept pouring. You know what? I'm tired right now too. But I'm pouring. I'm going to pour a little more. And I'm going to keep pouring. And I'm going to pour tomorrow. And I'm going to pour the next day. Right? Pour the little bit. And I sat right over there just a while ago and said, God, I don't have much. But I tell you what. You had a little boy with a lunch. Just a lunch. Just a little bitty lunch. And you fed multitudes. I said, feed, feed the internet today. Feed the people in this room. And look, guess what? When he fed with that little bit, there were baskets left over. Baskets left over. I said this morning, I want baskets left over from what you can feed with just my puny little effort this morning, right? And so this woman ran dry and she believed, but she went through a test. She went through a test and folks, we're going through a test right now. We're going through a test. What's in the house? And, 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 and what that test caused, she, she thought it was terrible. It's depressing. My kids, I'm going to lose. My family, I'm going to lose. And right now, we're all scared. What about our 401k? Do I take my money out? Do I put it here? What do I do? Am I going to lose it? Well, do we buy food now? What do, what do we do? Gas is going up. We see no end in sight. What's going to happen at the midterms? All this stuff. We're worried like this. Guess what? We're being tested. We're being put into the fire. And in that place, we have to realize, just like this 
this woman. It's there to try to awaken us. And we can either put our, we can either fight or flight. We can either put our roots down deeper until they go down so far that we become like trees of righteousness where we have a testimony for the world to see that those roots go so far down that they hit living water. And all of a sudden, the living water there begins to put life and courage and faith and healing into our lives and the gifts of the Spirit to flow out of our lives. Or we can just stop pouring and not recognize what's inside of us and dry up real quickly like we've been doing. And so in our testing, may God bring us back to the realization of the excellency of who really lives inside of you. That when you were saved, that something came inside of you. You were deposited with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing your earnest money, guaranteeing your inheritance in the kingdom of God. Sealed with the seal of promise. Sealed with the Spirit of Jesus Christ inside of you. Listen, Acts 1, Jesus spoke to the disciples because the world needed to see somebody that was real in that day as well. They needed to see somebody that had discovered the oil that was inside. And so all of a sudden on the day of Pentecost at Acts 1, we see the Bible says there that he said you must go to Jerusalem because if you go to Jerusalem you will be endued with power from on high. That, that I'm going to fill you. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And if you'll do that, he's going to come upon you like came upon Aaron. He's going to come upon you. He's going to come upon the church. And he says it's going to be power. And now what that word power means in Greek, it's dunamis. It's dunamis. It means dynamite. It's like dynamite. It's like the bombs you see going off in Ukraine with Ukraine and Russia, but it's greater than those bombs. It's greater than that power. We're all worried about nuclear power and, and rightfully so, but folks, there's something greater inside of you than a nuclear bomb. There is something greater inside of you, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of Christ. And He doesn't fill you with a little bit of that. He fills you with the fullness of God, Gabe. He fully fills you with God. You get all of God. You don't get a little bit of God. You get all of God. You get filled with the power of God. Israel was back uh, at Rephidim, if you remember when they left the Red Sea. And they, they came out of the Red Sea, or they came out of Egypt. They came across the Red Sea, and God had been so good for the, to them. And all of a sudden, they come to Rephidim. And it's a, that word really means uh, myrrh and, and murmuring. And they get to a place where they're is no water. There's no water there. And they begin to complain and they begin to murmur and the mouth is getting dry and they're getting parched and they're thinking, we're going to die. We're going to die out here. He's brought us out here to die. Their animals are beginning to just drool and slobber from their mouth. And they're thinking maybe even some of them started to die. Their animals are about to die. And all of a sudden they're out in this place at Rephidim. But the Bible is a sink or swim moment. Like I said, it's that moment where we're tested. It's that moment where we, we have to we have to have an awakening. We have to have this epiphany and recognize just who it is that lives inside of us. And they, are we going to put our roots down? Are we going to go deeper? Because that's what these moments begin to do in our life that cause us to dig a little bit deeper. They cause us to look just a little bit deeper. They cause us to let go of our ideas and our thinking when all that has dried up. All of our plans and all of our schemes. And all of a sudden we can look to a place where we see God. God. God wants to meet your need. God wants to take care of you. God wants to feed you in the days ahead. God wants to put $8 gas in your gas tank and show you how it's going to be there. God wants to decide how you're going to make it here and how you're going to make it there. God wants to decide whether you got a dollar in your checking account or thousands of dollars. He wants to let you know, it's me. Put your roots down deeper and trust me. And when you do that, you'll come out strong and you'll have a testimony. Amen. And you'll have to help me do that because <laughs> I'm the first one, Debbie knows, and others in here know. I, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. My wife is constantly getting on to me because she's got way more faith than I do most of the time when I get into desperate situations. Trust God, Brad. Trust God. And, 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 and every time she's been right and, and God always comes through. He never fails. Amen. And... So on Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, um, 
they're there. God wants to meet them. It's a fulfillment of Joel 2 that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And we see that on the day of Pentecost that this comes on these believers and this incredible church, this move of God is birthed. But what's so great, we spent a year preaching the new covenant, right? We, we spent a year talking about the foundations of the world are going to be destroyed. And if they're destroyed, what do we need to do? We need to be on the solid rock. We need to be on the, on the real foundation that's going to last. My word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, ever pass away. You better be upon that. You believe on that and you stand upon that. Well, that's, pro that's wonderful. We preached on the new covenant that Christ died. He buried, rose from the dead. He paid for our salvation in full. But I want you to see something that is so incredible that took place on the day of Pentecost because that is wonderful and the new covenant is powerful. But let me tell you something. You can't cannot unhitch it from the power of God. When the church is born, not only do we get the new covenant and everything that came with that, our sins washed uh, as white as snow, we're forgiven, we've given a garment of, of righteousness, but all of a sudden now here we see not only that, but we see power that comes upon this new church. They're clothed with power. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. This treasure is inside of earthen vessels and they are filled. And they're not filled once and one time, well praise God, he filled me on the day of salvation. No, there's four times we see Peter filled over and over and over and over again because we leak and we need an infilling of the Holy Spirit to constantly come upon our lives. That's what I'm praying for today. Oh God, fill Brad Lindsay and this church with the Holy Spirit again. And when they did in Acts 4, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to pray and prophesy and praise and speak in tongues and all those wonderful things. And folks, we need that to come again today the revival back in 1994 was good but it's gone you need a touch from the master's hand Walking the aisle and shaking the preacher's hand and going down in baptism waters was thrilling and it was exciting. But you need the power of God within you today. You need Him to fill you and to be overflowing in your life today. Amen? And so they have this incredible move of God when the church is born. It's a bloodless society. Get folks, nothing new under the sun. Don't get bothered by the fact that we're about to be arrested, that we're about to be martyred, possibly, all those things. Look, this, this early church, look where it was born. It was born by bloodthirsty people that just crucified their Savior, the Nazarene. And now they're coming after them. They're hid in an upper room. They can't reveal where they are. They're terrified because there's news traveling outside. If we find the rest of his followers, they're dead too. We're going to get them. And they're looking around looking for them. And they're up in this upper room. And that's where this church is birthed at. When all of a sudden they're waiting for God. And a mighty rushing wind comes into the place. And fills and shakes the building. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And now the church of Jesus Christ is not being led by their own thinking. Their own ideas. Their own resources. They, their own creativity. They are being led by the Spirit of God. Yes. They're being led by the Spirit. And, and if there's any hope for us today, for our nation, for our world, for our families, for our churches, if there's any hope for us whatsoever, it's a church that has to awaken to the fact that we need the Spirit, that we have the Spirit, that our resources won't work, that it's okay that we're bankrupt. We think we're poor like the widow thought she was poor. But look again, like the prophet said, what do you have in the house? Oh, wait just a minute. I got something in the house. I'm not as poor or destitute as I thought I was, right? And so Paul writes years later to the Corinthian church as well, not only to Timothy about this power and the Holy Spirit, but he writes to the Corinthian church. And they're a church similar to us today. I mean, if you want to find a church that looks like the Western church in the Western world or most of the church in the known world that we see out that is too close to the world, it was the Corinthian church. I mean, they were in an immoral city like we're in an immoral place where it all had gotten inside of here, or they're getting saved and, 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 and they don't know how, uh, they don't come in and, and get that. They come out of Egypt, but they don't get Egypt out of them. 
They're saved, but there's so many things, issues going on in their lives. All of a sudden, they're living in marriages that they shouldn't be living in. They're living together outside of marriage. And by the way, if you're living together outside of marriage, it's called sin. It's breaking the commandments of God. It's wrong. I don't care what society says. I don't care how far in advance we get or how bright we think we are. The Word of God still calls it sin. Paul wrote to them and called it sin. There were people living in incest inside of this church and thought it was okay. They weren't correcting. They had people that were drinking and getting drunk. Folks, if you think drinking's cool now in the church and it's okay, I got news for you. I've seen so many churches destroyed and busted because they think it's okay. I've been to countries where they think this is okay. We're a little bit left in there. And before you know it, it just runs amok through the place. And you got affairs going on. You got people that, that, are, that are, are, are total alcoholics and out of the church, folks. Getting drunk in the Bible is not right. nor smoking those left-handed cigarettes, altering your mind and all that stuff. Paul is writing two years after the founding of this church. Paul founded that church, and he's writing back to it two years. Look what's happened in just two years in this city and in this town, and there's issues. But here's the thing I love, that the Spirit of God is moving in this place despite all this. There are manifestations of the Spirit's power that are going in the, at this place that Paul is addressing in this place, yet they're still having lots of trouble in their life. You know what? That gives me hope today for us. That gives me hope for the church of Jesus Christ today. That excites me, the fact that God's grace is still moving in the midst of a worldly, carnal, fleshly, moving church. Amen? A lot of flesh, but the Spirit is still moving. And Paul is going to address those things. And so he writes this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to awaken. I want you to awaken to this reality. Now concerning spiritual gifts and the spirit inside of you, I don't want you to be ignorant. There has to come an awareness. Folks, we got a lot of people in this room. We got with the beautiful part about what I wanted in the church. We got Baptists in here. We got Nazarenes in here. We got Methodists in here. We got all kinds of people. That's how it should be. There, there's no denomination in the kingdom of God. We're not going to get to heaven and have all kinds of labels on our head. One church, one body, one spirit, one baptism, one Lord. But with that comes a lot of right, wrong thinking, things grandma taught us, things we were taught, things we were taught were wrong. All these things come inside of here. And a, lot of, a lot of confusion. So, so, so I'm writing to you today like Paul is and bringing you this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Come on. To the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you. That you're the temple of God. That the power of God lives inside of you. And you should expect Him to break out in our lives. You should expect Him to break out in the workplace. You should expect Him to break out in the marketplace. You should expect Him to break out at the family reunion. You should expect the Holy Spirit to break out in Walmart and this place and that place. And He wants to break out of this earthen vessel. And He wants to break out of it with things like words of knowledge. Words of wisdom. He wants to break out. Do you know? Paul speaks to this church and, 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 and wants to awaken them to these issues. He wants to awaken them to the fact that these things are going on. Listen to what he says in verse 2. You, knew, you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. So what he does is he starts to bring order through the manifestations that are breaking out in these places. They were brought to salvation. Then they were brought to this power that came inside of them and began to break out in their lives. That's what's going on in this place in Corinth. They are moving in power with warts and all. There's warts in their life. There's things going on. But they begin to move. They get saved and they begin to move in the power of, of the Spirit. 
And Paul says, I got to deal with some of these things, uh, but I'm not, but the Holy Spirit's not going to stop moving. I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to address them. I'm going to bring them into order, but we're not going to quench the Spirit. We're not going to turn away the Spirit. Look, in the old covenant, the Spirit would come, it would draw. There were blessings, there were cursing. But in the new covenant, there is something beautiful and amazing that takes place. Jeremiah 32 says, I'll never take my eye off you. In the midst of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Paul begins to talk, and here's what he says in verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences. Pentecostals don't have one Spirit and Baptists another. Nazarenes don't have one Spirit and others. There's one. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For all of us, it's to profit us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Look at it. For the, to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And another, the word of knowledge through the Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these distributing to each one individually as he wishes and desires to do. What are they there for? To build this body up, right? And, the, and, and, and he take, this takes us, these verses, and I'm going to close in a minute, the reminder that the Holy Spirit is in the house. That's what we want to take from these verses. Number one, the Holy Spirit is in the house. Number two, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available here. It's in the house, and the gifts of the Spirit are available to each one of us as believers. And then number three, we are encouraged to stir up those gifts that are inside of us and to begin to seek even better gifts. He's going to come and tell us which gifts are better here in a moment. And so that's what we're to do. We are to know that He's here. We are to know the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available. They didn't cease. They're here today. And we are to encourage and work up and stir up and seek the better gifts in our lives. Amen? And if we're going to meet the challenges that we need to face today in this world, we cannot be driven by the flesh anymore. We can't come into church meetings like corporations and have ideas of how we ought to run churches and what we ought to do. we got to put all of that aside, and we must not be driven by the flesh. We must be led by the Spirit. And i got news for you. The Holy Spirit moves still today. Amen? And the church needs this. We need it. We, we got great worship. We got, we got great media. But it says, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. Amen? We cannot unhitch from this. And we have unhitched from that power in the Western world for far too long. And we need it. Just because we don't see these things breaking out here, guess what? They have not ceased. They just moved to another part of the world where they're desperate enough for the power of God. And they can, they've awakened to the reality that they need this more than they need anything. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So the widow woman could have felt the same way that we do. She, she, she could have felt, uh, I'm so disappointed with this whole Christian business. I'm so discouraged. My kids are gone. All of this stuff is gone. My husband's gone. Uh, and, and all these things uh, that are going on. But, but she recognized, she recognized that she needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need that as well. And Paul talks about these gifts and he puts them in order. And I'm going to go through this and then I'm going to close. And the first one that he comes to is a word of knowledge. And what he's saying is, that's not you just having great ideas. This is, this is knowledge that, or a word of wisdom. That, that means wisdom that governs uh, your faith. That means wisdom that comes from the Spirit. I mean, I don't know why you, we want to debate about this. Wouldn't you want that? 
Wouldn't you want something beyond your natural wisdom? And wouldn't you want wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God? Wouldn't you desire? Isn't that something we ought to ask for? Isn't that something we ought to exercise? Isn't that something that we ought to have a wisdom that governs your faith? Don't we want a knowledge that is, that is from the Spirit, that is above natural thinking? Uh, we need this. We saw it in the Old Testament. We saw Elisha. that He was told the secrets of the king of Assyria. He had a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom that came. We saw it with Ananias and Sapphira. Hey, Peter doesn't know this. How, how have you come in here and decided to lie to the Holy Spirit? Your husband just dropped dead and now you want to come in and do the same thing? You're about, they're about to carry your body out as well. And we see him have this wisdom. We see Paul struck blind and we see a man by the name of Ananias that has all the wisdom. He knows everything about Paul and he begins to tell things about Paul. You're going to be blind three days. I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to be able to see again. And he tells Paul all these things that come from that. He talks about, Paul writes in here about gifts of faith, about supernatural empowering. Awaken us to the fact, God, that these are available today. We need to know that the arrow of faith is here because guess why? We might be like Paul and Silas who are in that midnight prison and gave all the they're there and at midnight they begin to sing. Their backs are bloody. They're in stocks. They've been cussed out. They've been beaten. Their faith ought to be weak and their faith ought to be low. It ought not to be a time where I know they're not operating in natural faith. I know the gift of the Spirit has come to them and the Holy Spirit has come upon them and filled them because at the midnight hour they are singing, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. And that's supernatural faith. There's no way they could have possessed this without that. Job, you think he had greater faith when his wife and his children and everything was good like it was a few months ago or two or three years ago? ago or before 9-11. Oh, oh, it's easy to have great faith then. But what about after the planes go through the towers? What about after the, the, the pandemic's been here and you've been locked in your house? What about after when the gas prices go and there's war breaking out and there's tornadoes coming every other day? What about then? Is it greater faith over there or greater faith here? I declare to you that Job had greater faith after everything was taken away from him than he did before. How did he have it? We have this treasure in earth and vessel. Stir up the gifts that are within you. What about the gift of healing? That's not, let's go wave our hand and on everybody and clear out the hospitals. I mean, God could do that if He wanted to, but this is, you, you, you're, you're praying and you're praying. And God says, pray for this person. And you pray and they're healed. And it's not the preacher doing it. It's you going out and doing it. And rather than somebody at your work starts talking about uh, where will you say, I'll go get my preacher to do that. No, you pray for them. You stir up the gift of God within you. Guess what? You may pray for a hundred people. Guess what? I go to pray for people all the time. A lot of times I go and pray and they die. But I keep going back and praying. And you pray and maybe the hundred and first time somebody gets healed. A miracle is manifested through your life, right? Eventually, somebody, keep going. Keep pouring the oil. Keep praying. Keep, keep going out and laying hands on people and, and seeing them do this. So he begins to write about the gift of healing. He begins to tell us to lay hands on people, to see the supernatural. He begins to do all this. He says, don't be ignorant of the one who lives inside of your life. And I got news for you. You know when you're going to believe these things? When the fabric of society continues to fall. Because you're going to need it. When the food shortages hit that your own president said out of his mouth, it ain't just going to be over there. It's going to be here as well. How about then I'm going to put my doctrine aside that I was taught and I'm going to get him pray for a miracle. I'm going to say, God, you said in the Bible, God, you took a little boy's lunch. God, you took just a little bit of food and you multiplied it. You took fishes and loaves and you made it. I mean, we're going to begin to pray and we're going to begin to get desperate. And I believe we're going to see miracles happen again as structures fall apart, as health begins to slip away, as the, the places we put our trust in, our jobs, the health system, all these things begin to crumble and fall. We're going to begin to put out, we're going to begin to look in the house and say, I, it feels like I'm poor, but wait a minute. No, I'm rich. I'm rich. 
I'm rich. I forgot I've got oil in the house. What about prophecy? Prophecy is not just tell it foretelling of the future like most people think about. It is, it is speaking the word of God under the anointing like I hope I'm doing today. It's where something you do, you're speaking more and it pierces into your heart and you just know that that was a word that has touched my life. And folks, that is not just for preachers to do. He didn't say just a preacher desire to do this from a pulpit. This is you doing it at work. This is you doing it on the phone. This is you doing it on the internet. This is you doing it everywhere. This is where you speak with the authority that is upon you and it touches the heart of men and women in a way that they fall on their knees and repent and call on the name of God. Amen? Amen. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. If you're able to exercise that gift, people get so confused about that sometimes. There's a, uh, oh, yeah, there is such a thing as a prayer language that, 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 that is received where you can pray in tongues. And folks, if you can exercise that, do it. We've let those things dry up. When you're at home, pray in, the, pray in your prayer language. Begin to pray and begin to stir up these things that are inside of you, folks. I'm telling you, we need to know who is resident in us and we need to operate in these things. And a Paul in in chapter 14 says, uh, seek the very best gifts. And he lists them in order. Romans 12 says, a couple of scriptures. Did I put Romans 12 up there? Romans 8 will work. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 12 is there are seven ministry gifts in addition to these nine that we just read there in Corinthians. What about 1 Thessalonians? The Bible says, do not quench the Spirit and do not despise prophecies. Look at the next verse. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Look at the next verse. No more shall everyone teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. They shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. Romans 8 and 14, as we said, many are led by the Spirit. They are the sons of God. John 16 says, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths. Hallelujah. Father. God, may we be awakened to the reality of the Spirit that is in us. You told your disciples, I'm not going to leave you. Yeah, I know you're sad that I'm leaving. But look, I'm in one little proximity in Jerusalem. What about my followers over across the way? They're not, uh, they're not with me right now. Understand that when, I, when, I, when I'm glorified, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send my spirit. And it's not just going to be in Jerusalem. It's going to be in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and all my people will be filled. I'll fill them with the, with the wonder. of I'll be with them every day. I'll be the voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk in it. They'll have no need for a teacher because the anointing will teach them. I'll, I'll, I'll be in them. They'll have power to be my witnesses. To be my witnesses in all the earth. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Greater works will they do than what I, you've even seen me do. It's not just going to be me doing it. It's going to be millions of me doing it. It's going to be me inside of you doing it. Touching the lame, touching the blind eyes, preaching the glorious kingdom of the gospel. And when this gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world as a witness, then I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'm going to gather my glorious church and my people together and I'm going to snatch them out of here in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Oh, hallelujah. God, I am ready for your rapture. I am ready for your rapture. They can have this world. I am ready to be taken out of here. And you better be ready to be taken out of here too because after we're taken out of here, there is going to be unleashed. You think it's bad now. There will be seven years of tribulation as this world has never seen before. The Bible says pray that you're worthy to escape it. Pray that you're worthy to escape the hour that's coming like you've never imagined that's coming. 
Great distress like this world has never seen before. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in various and diverse places. Men will betray one another. Men will hate one another. The love of many will wax cold. It will become so fearful of a time that men's hearts will fail them as to fear. The wicked will be dealt with and he will bring them before the great white throne and those who don't know God will be dealt with forever in the lake of fire. And God says, it's not my desire that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. I haven't appointed you in Thessalonians to wrath. I haven't appointed you to my wrath. My son absorbed. He expiated that wrath. He took that wrath on the cross. That's what we're about to get into in Easter. He absorbed that wrath for you. Oh, I'll pour it out on this world again, on the evil that have rejected my son, but never on my child. You are my children. You are my bride. And I'm preparing you, and I'm making you ready, and my spirit is in you, refining you and purifying you and making you beautiful for me. And then I'm coming to receive you at whatever time the Father says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, surely I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you are also. How do we know the way to where you are, Lord? Oh, man, if you've been with me so long and you don't know the way. Guys... I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're backslid, if you don't know Christ, if you've never received Him, I sat in the church for years and years, thought I, was, thought I knew Him, I didn't know Him. But in 1994, I met, I met the Savior of my soul. I received him into my heart, and I was never the same. I was born again. And he put his spirit inside of me. And if you don't know Christ this morning, please, please open your heart and ask him to come into your life and to receive him. You receive a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Christ, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I confess that. And I open my heart to receive you into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Save me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to be with you in heaven. And then you begin to get in the Bible and begin to let Him talk to you. You begin to get with other believers, whether it's in a home, whether it's here, wherever. And you begin to, you begin to be discipled and, and, and grow in the, in the knowledge of God. And, and you begin to pray and you begin to talk with Him. And you begin to have a relationship with Him. And it's the best relationship in the world. And then secondly, for those that are here, and maybe you just say, you know what? The times I've gotten a little bit dry. Uh, I'm like this widow woman and I've just gotten to a place where I'm discouraged and I'm empty. But today, Brad, I'm coming to the realization that I'm really full. I'm really full. I'm really full of the life of God. And I'm going to stop dishonoring the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop dishonoring the presence of God in my life. Holy Spirit, you live inside of me. And here, here's the cry for you. Even the strongest Christians today need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. I got news for you. And so that's what we're going to play one song and then we're going to dismiss. But if you would just cry out in your heart, you can do it where you're at. You can come to this altar, whatever you want to do. But just, just open your mouth and say, God, I need a fresh touch from you today. I need to be filled with the Spirit of God and the reality that you're in me. Let's sing and we're going to do that and then we're going to dismiss.